Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to a very special episode of the Iron Brew Podcasting Conversation Series. Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard, Matt Ellis for this one. And today we are talking to one of the greatest Scunthorpe United players of all time. Uh, we recently brought you in conversation with Andy Keogh, so it's only right we bring you the other half of that partnership. Billy Sharp, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, so we're going to mainly focus on Scunthorpe United, obviously, but uh, we're going to have a little bit of a look at your career as a whole. Uh, and obviously, I think we'll start right at the beginning. So obviously, you're born in Sheffield, you grew up there, you're in Sheffield United youth setup with a little bit of time in the Rotherham youth setup. I guess the question for that is really, you know, was it Sheffield United that really started that desire for you to go into football? Yeah, um, growing up as a kid at an early age, I was always with a ball in the garden or what have you. But um, growing up as a Sheffield United fan, my dream was to obviously try and play for Sheffield United, which I've managed to do. Um, but obviously, a journey, bef- um, well, in between a young player at United, um, obviously included Scunthorpe, which I had some great times at, and I'm forever grateful for, for the opportunity, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Before we uh, we go much further, we should probably mention uh, a person who's probably played quite a big role in your career, and he's likely to feature a lot in this conversation. So, can you tell us a little about a little bit about how you know how your dad has played such a big role in your football career? Yeah, he's the the one who's um, well, him and my mum. They took me to every training session, every um, game. My dad's never missed a single minute of any game. Mum's only missed two through illness. Um, so I've had a lot of support from my family and which I continue to have now with my, my wife and parents and my two two boys that um, are loving football as well. So I've had the support around me, which is obviously a big help for a footballer because there's so many ups and downs and um, times where sometimes it ain't going great, where you need that support. And obviously the times what are going great, uh, it's brilliant to have family and friends uh, to celebrate it with as well. And we're probably going to um, moving on to when you went to Rushton. But just before that, probably a little known fact to uh, most Scunthorpe fans is you actually played in the friendly for us at the start of the season prior to the, the one you joined us uh, against Rangers. And obviously nothing came of that trial. Um, how did that come about? And why didn't any move materialise at that time, do you think? Do you know what? That's, I always forget about that. Um, that's one thing I did have to check in with my dad with. Um, all I do remember is wearing a big shirt like three sizes too big um, and a ball going over the top and scoring and don't know what the score was or anything but I was down on the programme as um, it wasn't my name it was just it just said trialist and then I think Scunthorpe come to an agreement with Sheffield United that's the way they wanted to have a look at me and um, so I played in I think I came on as a sub in that game and like I say I scored but uh, nothing materialised but I think the first time they set eyes on me I think it was uh, Peter Beagrew and Brian Law saw me um, playing in a, a game for Sheffield United against um, Sheffield Wednesday in the reserves and uh, I managed to score that day and I knew that um, they were there but I never heard anything of it until obviously then when I signed for Scunthorpe a bit later on. 
Yeah, and, and before then, as, as Matt just said, that you do have a, a loan spell at, at Rushton for a little bit. And that's, that, I think that's your first real chance at league football. You score a handful of goals there. Uh, what was that experience like going into League Two? And then afterwards, were you confident that you'd be able to perform in League One? Yeah, it was, um, it was strange at the time because no disrespect to Russian and Diners, I, di- I didn't know who they were or where they was based. And again, it was my dad who said, look, son, you're a young kid. Um, you can't wait um, forever for the Sheffield United chance. I'd had one uh, substitute appearance, which was barely a couple of minutes. And he encouraged me to go there and it was, an, it was a brilliant time, a, a, um, a brilliant little club with amazing setup and the facilities they had was, was brilliant for a young kid of, of um, my age at the time. So I went there and scored nine goals in 16 games. Got managed to get my first hat-trick um, against Boston. I managed to score a winner against Northampton in the, in the derby down there. and um, It gave me a, a taste of first-team football and that's something that I wanted to carry on. And uh, it, was, it was one of the you know, best moves I've made in my career to date and like I say about Scunthorpe Rushton and Diamonds is um, some, some, somewhere I always um, hold in high regard because they gave me a, an opportunity and a chance to, to make a name for myself and um, it's a shame that they, they're not no longer in the, the football league and obviously went out of business but um, working himself back up is obviously a different name but I had some great times there and set me up for for some unbelievable time that's going for um, the following season. Yeah, and just moving into that following season, then I think we've interviewed quite a few people, and they all seem to claim to have a hand in uh, in your signing. So, Lawsy, I think even Simon Elliott said he watched you at Rushton and recommended that that Lawsy take a look. How did that move come about, and um, who did you speak to at the time when when obviously that was all going through? Everyone likes to uh, try and get a um, say in the um, why I went to Scunthorpe, but again. You know, it's it's good that people were watching me, but it was my dad again who, when the opportunity arose, and he was the one who said, "Look, I knew West Ham football. I knew it wasn't too far away from home." He was the one who's encouraging me again, saying, "You know, go go there. Um, they they're giving you an opportunity to sign a contract, which yeah, wasn't mega money, but it, it was the opportunity to play a league higher than League Two, which I knew I could play higher than." Than League One, I knew I could play Sheffield United at that time, but it was just about someone, somebody believing in you, and obviously Scunthorpe, Brian Laws, and whoever else you know had forced the move through. Obviously, the chairman made it happen, which um, I'm thankful for him. And yeah, Simon Elliott's a good guy. He, I've had a good relationship with him. I still speak to him now. So everybody at Scunthorpe at the club was, was some great people there, and um, you know, as soon as I signed, I made, was made feel welcome and. Um, Again, it, it just clicked and kicked off really strong for myself and as a group. And we, we had some successful times together, which I've got photos in the house and trophies and memories that I, I always get to see um, day in, day out. And they, they make me smile, which is, uh, which is great. Obviously, Sheffield United is your club, Billy. So with that in mind, were there any reservations on your part about move, leaving your boyhood club to Joan Scunthorpe? Um, when I went to Russian on loan, I was, you know, I was, I was a bit upset at the time because I was, I thought I was having to, to go and live down there, and I wasn't really sure about that. But um, I was lucky because I had Adrian Littlejohn, who used to watch play for Sheffield United. He was at the Russian at the club at the time, so that helped. But Scunthorpe, it was basically just getting the contract right for me to 
then get the, the words from the manager to, to say that I'm going to be a big part of this team to try and get promoted was, was the, the words that I wanted to hear and I had no thoughts about, you know, Scunthorpe was a 45 minute drive away. It was, it was brilliant. It was a great opportunity and um, I had no, no doubts leaving Sheffield United. Obviously, I was a bit good because I thought, you know, my chance had gone but it was time to, to stay hungry and that's what I wanted. I was hungry for first team football and again, the opportunity that Scunthorpe gave me was, was brilliant because it was a, a league higher in League One and I couldn't wait to, to get um, down to it and get stuck in. Uh, now, I want to ask you about this one, because obviously when we do these in-conversation episodes, you know, we put a lot of work into the research and we, you know, we read, read through books, we look through video clips and things like that just to help us out a little bit. And uh, one of the things I watched when, when I was preparing this one was uh, the podcast interview you did with Sheffield United quite recently. Uh, and you said something in that one, which obviously in, in the Sheffield United context, it's a little bit of a throwaway, but it's, it's really interesting for us from Scunthorpe United. You said... Uh, as part of your dad's deal, as you mentioned earlier on uh, in this podcast, you know, he has a hand in your football career. He said he managed to get you £100 a week more and then £100 a goal. So how did he manage that? Yeah, it's not a great deal of money uh, this day and age. But for me, it was about um, getting a reward for trying to do one of the hardest things in football, and that's to score a goal. And, you know, £100 is not a lot, is, you know, not a lot of money in football these days. But um, it gave me... And added extra bonus, which my agent for some reason couldn't um, get over the line. So me and my dad went in and my dad spoke to Mr. Wharton at the time, the chairman. He was very helpful and he said, yeah, that won't be a problem. So we came out a little bit confused of, of why. But I know now with experience I've had in football, um, with what obviously was trying to happen in there and it obviously was to do with the agent side of things. So that's why I'm, I'm no longer with that agency. And um you know, my dad's got my best interest and it wasn't me about being greedy. As, as you can say, I've, I've stated the, the amounts and yeah, £100 is a lot of money to these days. But obviously in football, it, it isn't. But, um, you know, it's just an added bonus and it was just something that my dad got in. And um, as soon as that was done, I was, I was ready to sign. And it was only then on the Friday that I trained with a, with a, um, with a side and they all made me feel welcome. Obviously, especially Andy Keogh. I remember sitting on a, I don't know if you've ever been in the reception as you go in Glanford Park. There's a two, well, there was a two-seater sofa and he was sat there and he welcomed himself and me to the club and um, he was the same age and we had a lot in common and Brian Law said, look, this is going to be a strike partner and um, it just seemed to click straight away and um, he's still a great friend of mine and obviously he helped set this up as well. So, um, no, it was a good time from, from day one. You mentioned the bonus there, and I presume, well, it wasn't long before you got your first goal, so uh, bonus pretty much straight away. Um, the goal at Forest, how, how was that, scoring at such a big, you know, big stadium, a uh, big game, and, you know, we win the game as well? Yeah, um, like I said, I knew I was starting after the training session, uh, my first training session on the Friday, and then it couldn't have been a better game um, away at the biggest um, club in the in the league at the time, and a great stadium where obviously I went on to play for Forest as well. Um, but that goal for me is still one of my best, well, not one of my best, but one of my favourite goals into my career because I managed to score for the, my new club on my debut, which is an unbelievable feeling for a footballer. And at the away end and to see the, the amount of Scunthorpe fans that were there that day to, to obviously witness the goal was something I was incredibly proud of and um, to share with the fans and to, to win the game with that goal was uh, the perfect start for me and obviously 
helped the club get the three points, which um, I became a really um, strong member of the, that team who went on to do special things in the, in the two years that we had together. The partnership with Keo, you know, you mentioned just then that you had a lot of um, kind of common interests and he, he welcomed you to the club when you came in through the reception. You know, what made you two such a good fit? Yeah, just the things that we had in common, the, the interests, we were very similar. We played golf together, we hung out together. We were, we were young kids, both loving football, wanting to do well for each other as, as well as the, as the team. And it always helps a, a partnership when, you know, you, you've, Mates off the pitch as well, but it wasn't forced. It was just something that clicked, and he was a he was an well, he still is, but he was an unbelievable player for me because he's um, he used to glide across the pitch. He's um, he had skill. He was decent in the air. He could score goals, and obviously he linked up with me really well. And it was a, a partnership that to this day was one of the best I've had in my career. And um, I wish it could have lasted longer, to be honest. Yeah, well, we, we talk about it lasting longer and we're going to come on to that, I think, a little bit later on because Andy Keogh said a little bit about that towards as well. Uh, one other thing that he did say was that it was the Manchester City game in the FA Cup where I think you realised that you could both easily play at a higher level. I think, was was that the same for you? Was that the, the game where you got that impression? Yeah, I remember in the tunnel and we were saying things to each other, uh, not in a cocky way, just in a confident way and in in the... Obviously, in the hotel room the night before, we was we was just you know being really confident about this is a good chance to put yourself in the shot window, not to get away from Scunthorpe, just to play against some of the best players. And we were both you know confident we could cause like an upset. Or and he obviously went on to score in the game, but yeah, we we thought we did well in that game and uh, we gave a good account of ourselves as a as a club. And um, obviously, if it wasn't for Robbie Fowler, I think it was who got the hat trick. We'd have. Um, but it obviously, hopefully, took them back to Glanford Park, but it wasn't meant to be that day. Did you two ever actually have any conversations like that about possibly moving that partnership on at that stage in the in your time together? You know, I'll be honest. When when I signed for Scunthorpe, um, my plans with my dad and family was, you know, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone. No disrespect to Scunthorpe whatsoever. It's a great club and. I enjoyed every single minute of it, and I wasn't in no rush to to get away. I just wanted to go there, do well, and try and you know, get promoted with Scunthorpe and get as high up the football ladder as possible because that's what every footballer should want to achieve to play as high as you can. And that was that was me and Andy Keogh's dreams and our ambitions. And, you know, he, he managed to obviously get his move as well, which is well-deserved. And, you know, we, we both left. And I know this because he said this as well with sad thoughts because, yeah, I'll be honest, I wanted to stay at Scunthorpe. Mr. Wharton showed a lot of ambitions to me. He was going to quadruple my wages, made me the highest paid Scunthorpe player in history, which, you know, I, I wanted to stay for that reason because of how much they wanted me to stay. But um, obviously we know which clubs were in for me and it's really, really hard to, to turn that um, chance down. And yeah, some people said I went for the money, but it wasn't about that. It was about going back to my boyhood club. Yeah, I was on more money and I was only playing in the same league as what's gone for. We just got promoted to, but I left with a, with sadness in my in me as well because the, the memories and moments that we had together as a club was, you know, they're still very special moments in, in, in my heart and my head. And I go for them quite regularly in my head, which is something I'll probably do for, for the rest of my life. Move back a little bit then to uh, your relationship with, with Brian Laws. Obviously, Laws brought you to the club and, uh, you know, at the time he started to build a really good side in the 05-06 season. At, at what moment as players did you think you, you could potentially have something really good here? Did you just kind of think that, you know, we can challenge the promotion with this squad? Yeah, I, I enjoyed working um, 
by and large, he was um, he was a motivator, and you know when he got angry, he was angry. But he was good with his players, and like I say, I enjoyed playing for him. He had ambitions as well, which I think he got a bit of stick for for, for leaving. But he, he did well while he was a comfort manager, and I reckon he, he left with a bit of a heavy heart because he probably could have thought, you know, I just I just definitely left with heavy, an heavy heart with where he ended up going. But you know, I bet he was thinking, I wish I could have took that side up because we was a brilliant side, and obviously. You're going to go on to it with Nigel Atkins taking over, but Brian Laws, I've, I've got no bad memories or bad things to say about him. He was he was great for me. He signed me, gave me my chance, opportunity. Uh, we was doing well under him, and he, like I say, he was just an ambitious manager who had the opportunity to move on, and he did that. Talking about um, Lawsy as well, and a game that was really kind of close to his heart and really important for him was was the Forest games, and we tended to have a really good record in those games, home and away. And moving into the next season, we had a fantastic result. And one of his final games, really, you know, a couple of months before we left, the 4-0. And I think everyone we've spoken to that had a, played a part in that game said, you know, it was, it was a massive uh, result for the club and such a great game to play in. How was it for you, given that you scored in that game as well? Yeah, scored the last kick of the game, I think. Yeah. Um, no, again, that was such an incredible performance from the group of players. And it did mean more to Brian Law's... Um, you know, used to play for Nottingham Forest and we all know the connection he's got there, but he was well up for them games and yeah, we, we, we won twice at, at Forest uh, away. So, and that game I think was on Sky because I watched it the other day actually on Sky and uh, we, we battered him. Uh, could have been more than four and some of the football we played that day was uh, exceptional and one of the games that stands out in my mind that we've scum for and to get on the score sheet at the end was, was pleasing as well. Um, but I had a hand in a few of the goals, which uh, was obviously involving Andy Keogh and the Cleveland Taylors and um, people like that, which, um, yeah, we played incredibly well that day. And it is a game that certainly sticks out in, in my mind, as, as well as one other, which um, is probably my favourite goal uh, for, for Scunthorpe, the Bristol City home game, um, first v second on Sky Friday night. And um, I was the lucky one again to get a well-worked um, free kick, I think it was, and I managed to swivel in the box and fire it home and it was my 21st birthday and my 21st goal and I remember celebrating it with uh, Jermaine Beckford, back of Beckford, he was wearing 21 at the time and it all seemed to click that night and I think that's the night that we, you know, we, we put the sword in there back a little bit and managed to get away a little bit and it was a big game, big night in front of Full House at Blanford Park and a game that I definitely is up there with one of my favourite games to come for, definitely. You mentioned the TV there with uh, obviously the Bristol one you've just talked about, but also the Nottingham Forest one. Uh, that Forest game, that, that must have been one of, if not the first time that you'd played on TV in your career. Is, is, was there a different pressure uh, approach in a game like that in, in terms of the cameras at a young age? No, I think that's one thing about being a young player. You want to play on TV. You want people to see you. You, you want you know the Premier League players that the players who are playing higher than you to see what you can do and the only way they're going to do that is see you on Sky because let's be honest they ain't going to come to Glanford Park to watch you so to, to, to be able to express yourself in front of a TV audience is something that you know it, it's good for a, a football player to, to be able to do that and to do it the way we did in, in them two games was, was brilliant because like I say as a, as a team as a squad as a club we, we, we strive for them, uh, them games and 
they, they worked out well for us in most of them, actually. Obviously, ultimately, you know, Brian Lowe's leaves. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Billy? He brought you to the club and he left us obviously in a really, really good position. And, you know, quite a few players we've spoke to on the podcast said that kind of he left us in such a good position that when Atkins came in, it was a case of just, you know, carrying on as we were going. So, you know, were you sad to see him go at that point? Yeah, it was sad to see him go. And um, he gave his best wishes to us and he explained his reason, which everyone accepted. And it was about us then. Um, helping Atkins out, which I don't know if Keo's told you some of the stories between me, Keo, and Atkins, but I probably can come on to that. Um, yeah, he, he just, uh, Mr. Walton, the chairman, wanted continuity at the time, and, you know, Atkins has been at the club a long time, and he thought that he could give him a few games to see how it went, and he, he spoke to the lads to obviously speak to him after a few weeks to see how it was going, and we just carried on where we left off, really, and we all know the song that obviously came of it after. We, we was successful and it was, it's a great story and I'm sure Nigel said if he's asked sports here he'll say you know the opportunity that he had at Scunthorpe set him up for the rest of his career as a manager and no longer a, a physio Yeah and um, we're going to come on to Nigel in a bit more detail a bit later on because obviously he's, a, he's somebody that plays quite a significant part in your career throughout a number of clubs uh, so we'll focus on that in a minute but let, let's just let's just pick up on what you just said there though because actually yeah, I don't think Andy did tell us all that much so yourself Keo and Nigel what's going on there? No, yeah, so um, at Blanford Park you go in and there's a chain, there's a home change room on the left and two separate rooms is like a, a gym and then there's just off the gym is the physio room, obviously where Nigel used to do all his work and some good banter between the players. I don't know, it's something about a football club where a lot of the banter seems to be in the physio room, which players don't want to be in, but it's just somewhere where they, they get together and especially when Nigel's physio, we used to have a lot of good crack in there and while Nigel was rolling his sleeves up on his jumper to strap his ankles um, I remember the days where he used to say to us look like I don't know we were young kids and we were talking about you know nights out a few drinks we'd had and, and oh come on Nigel get us out at Monday's training session you know to for me and Andy Keogh and we, all of a sudden uh, he'd say to Brian Laws yeah they've got a few little knocks these two have to look after and gaffer which you know, it does happen at football clubs and me and Keo were getting away with it some Mondays because we were scoring the goals for the club and stuff like that. But um, then it suddenly changed when he became manager. We were like, <laughs> we'll have to stop telling Nigel stuff now because he's the manager. But no, it, was, it, was, it was weird at first because obviously Nigel would be doing, strapping people's ankles up and then he'd be turning into the manager and, or sometimes he'd be strapping I don't know, Keo's ankle up in the middle of the dressing room while giving the team talk out. And I don't know, it was, it was quite a um, unique thing to happen, but it didn't distract any of the players. And if anything, it brought us together even more. And we wanted to do well for, for Nigel Adkins and he wanted to do well for us and seemed to work good as a combination. And as they say, the rest is history. Were you aware of his footballing background? Because obviously he'd, he'd done a bit of managing before. Was it in Wales? So, you in know. Wales, yeah. He won a league title there, which he, he never failed to not tell us about. So he knew he had, he knew he had the um, appetite to be a manager, but he was a Scunthorpe man and he wanted to be at Scunthorpe United. So he was the physio. He loved that as well. But when the opportunity came, he, he, he grabbed it with both hands. He, he was ready and um, he had the right people around him, obviously with Crozer, which he's took on for the, obviously his managerial career. And he's took me quite a few clubs in my career. And for whatever reason, the Sheffield United one didn't quite work out. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he has no regrets as a manager and he's had some great times at some of the clubs that he's had more recently, obviously, other than Scunthorpe, uh, Southampton and Hull. So, you know, he's, he's been great for me and my career. 
so you just mentioned your relationship that you had there before him coming manager then. So when it was announced that Laws was leaving, that he would be taking over, presumably you were, you were quite pleased about that and you, I, I suppose a bit relieved that it wasn't an outside manager coming in at that point in the season? Yeah, that's what we, we all sat down and said to each other. Look, you know, we could have got in a manager that none of us liked or wanted to change how we played. Or, but I don't see why any manager would want to do that when we was flying and doing really well. And Nige deserves all the credit he, he, he gets for getting us promoted because he was the one who you know, got us over the line. But he, he will say himself, the players you know, worked hard for him and they, they're the ones who deserve the credit. But it's a, it's a team effort from you know, the manager, the players and all the backroom staff and we did it together and it's you know it's it was my first first promotion as a as a professional and it was fantastic memories which you know um, I'm glad I had that at some point because they're the ones who gave me the opportunity. You just mentioned a minute ago Billy that obviously um, you know when Nigel's in the dressing room he, he was strapping up Keo's leg at the same time was trying to be a manager I can't imagine Brian doing that um, so what was the, the kind of major difference between um, the management styles of Laws and Atkins? Uh, Nigel I think everyone knows he's the most positive man you can possibly like find and even if we got beat 4-0 he'd find a positive which you know might be a bad thing sometimes but He'd always try and find a positive. He had these ways of doing things and it seemed to complement us at Scunthorpe at the time. And, you know, it was it was enjoyable to, to work under him. And I think if he looked back in his managerial career, he'd have to give a huge amount of credit to, to, to us who, who were working for him at the time because, you know, he gave him that chance as a manager. He, he was successful and then he went on to, to other clubs to, to manage as well, which, um, like myself, I... I I've got good memories of Scunthorpe. Um, he, he will have the same, definitely. Uh, let's just ask one about uh, Andy Keogh then, because obviously he leaves in January of that season. Obviously the partnership, it, as we've mentioned already, it clicks pretty instantly. Um, were you then, were you disappointed about him going in January, you know, and then were you worried about it affecting the overall outcome of the season? I wasn't disappointed in him. I wasn't disappointed in the club because I knew his ambitions and um, and I knew what that money meant to Scunthorpe United at the time. And, you know, Scunthorpe didn't want to see Andy Keogh go. Billy Sharp didn't want Andy Keogh to go and the rest of the lads didn't. But we sent him off with our best wishes and wanted him to do well, which he did. Um, one thing that I was really, really gutted about was I never got to play in his last game and he scored, he took his shirt off and I was sat in, in the crowd suspended. And then I wanted to be a part of part of that last memory with him. And that's one one probably down I've got at Scunthorpe, really. And, but it was great to see him go on and do well and, and obviously get promoted as well. Um, is exactly what I was talking about earlier, about being ambitious and trying to get to the top of the ladder, which he obviously went on to do. And we had a lot of the players at the club, but he was someone who had, uh, well, I believe he was at Scunthorpe two and a half years with his loan spell as well. And it was time for him to move on and um, try and, Pick his wits against you know better players in in the higher leagues. Having seen Andy move on, did you have any thoughts about moving on at that time? And were there any kind of firm interest, any firm interest in you in that window? Yeah, there was interest, but uh, to be honest, I, um, this is no um, not putting Andy under the bus or anything. But I, I wanted to get um, I wanted to get to the end of the season. I wanted to finish the job off. I, I wanted you know. It's hard to say because I'm not saying Andy was like not loyal because he, he was. Like I said, he, he'd done really well for Scunthorpe and it was his time. It, it wasn't my time. I wanted to keep scoring goals and help Scunthorpe, you know, get promoted, which we ended up doing. And I don't know, as he said, that he wished he'd have stayed for 
till the end of the season to finish it off? I, I don't think so because of obviously what we went on to do at Wolves. You know, Keogh leaves and, and we bring Beckford in and, you know, we were presently surprised at how good how and how well Jermaine did when he came into the team. Did you have to adjust your style at all when Keogh left and, and Beckford came in to replace him? No, I didn't want to change anything in my game and the manager didn't want to change anything either. He just tried to bring somebody in who would compliment me and com- I'd compliment him and just try and basically keep doing what we was doing. Um, Jermaine came in and scored some incredible goals and put in a great shift for the club and like I say, he was a great player as well. Um, just because I didn't have the relationship off the pitch, just like I did with Keogh, even though I got on really well with Jermaine. Um, and like I said, we scored a load of goals together, which it, it seemed to work again. And he, like I say, he went on to do incredible things in his career as well for, for Leeds and Everton. And it's just it seems to be a, a bit of a trend that's come forth, the, the amount of strikers that do well there. And I don't know whether it's the pitch, whether it's the crowd so tight, or I don't know. But so many players, strikers through the years have, have come and gone from Scunthorpe and done well and gone on to do well. It's, uh, it's incredible, really. I certainly remember in his first couple of games, he, he wasn't great. You know, he missed a couple of chances. And I, personally, I was thinking, you know, why have we signed this donkey? And then obviously he came, <laughs> he came, he came good. And um, as a yeah. it was it was great. But you obviously saw him in training. Were you confident that you could strike that partnership and obviously um, get the goals to get us promoted? Yeah, he knew he had the talents, like you say. He probably wasn't like, you know, the ultimate finisher, if you like. He, he was one who, I just remember the goal... Is it Rotherham or Crew? Yeah, Rotherham. Might be both. Where he crushed and bent on him with his left foot, and that's what he could do. And he had so much. He had bags of talent, and yeah, in training you could see it. And it's hard for a new player when they come in, and he wasn't up to speed with his fitness, and he, he worked hard on that, and integrated well with the team, and hit it off like I say with myself, and we, we both managed to bag the goals to to get the club promoted. I think we'll come on to the promotion aspect of that season in a second. But just before we do that, let's just ask here about maybe about Steve Wharton and what your relationship like was like with him. Because we've interviewed quite a lot of players from the squad of that time so far on this podcast. And it, it's all been overwhelmingly positive, their thoughts about him. What, what was it like for you with him? Yeah, he's, he's a brilliant person. Um, he wanted the best for Scunthorpe United and um, to do what he did with players he's he brought in and the money he shed out was, um, you know, deserves all the credit for, for doing that. And he, um, he was always in and around the club as well and wanting to congratulate the, the lads and encourage them to keep doing well for Scunthorpe, which you don't always get that with the, with the owners of the football club. So fair play to him for, for being so hands-on and, and always being there for, for the players if, if they needed anything. Just looking back at that side, and obviously the, the strikers yourself and Andy and Beckford and maybe the wingers as well get a lot of plaudits that season. But how important were kind of the back four and Joe Murphy, Steve Foster even, and Andy Crosby, obviously. Uh, how important was were they to, obviously, the promotion? Yeah, the three you said, um, start with Joe Murphy. Um, absolute brilliant keeper, great lad as well. Great character in the dressing room, someone that you need and... He's had a great career himself as well. He's, um, I know the year that I won the Golden Boot, he got the Golden Glove and it meant, it meant an awful lot to him to get that glove and it should do to all keepers. Just like strikers want to score goals, he wanted to keep clean sheets and obviously he can only do that with his defence and the rest of the team. But he was a great shot stopper, um, a good level head on him, 
great left foot. Um, he wasn't bad at finishing as well, to be fair to him. But um, no, he, he had a good relationship with myself as well. And um, like I say, he was, he was a brilliant character for the dressing room. and He, he was a leader too. Um, Crosser um, never let me take the penalties for our trick, but fair play to him. He, he always seemed to score them. We used to run ring around him in the in the shed, as we called it. Me and Keo used to bounce it off the boards and used to um, give him loads of banter with it. But again, he was he was one of the senior players and a, a great leader, and um, he was brilliant with the younger boys. And I think that's what we had: um, the mix of youth and the senior boys and the characters that we had all seemed to get on really well. And that's I think that's for me that's a big part of getting promoted: the uh, the team spirit and the togetherness. And we certainly had that. And, Steve Foster was part of my car school and yeah, I think everyone knows he, he had his off-field problems or what have you, but when the game come, you had no doubt about it. He was going to be rock solid in defence and never let the lads down and love, love football and love keeping clean sheets as well. And he was a winner and again, he, he complimented uh, Crosser and the rest of the team and they were big figures in, in part of promotion. Because, you know, with the promotion, Billy, you're still a pretty young lad. You know, how was that for you? What was that like, an experience at a relatively early stage of your career to, you know, kind of already go into that kind of high of of a promotion for a club? Yeah, it was only my second full season. Um, Obviously scored goals the season before, but, you know, personally that was great, but you wanted to to get promoted and um, to do it then and, um, with how we did it was so special and the, the, the memories you know afterwards with the, with the whole town of Scunthorpe you know the, the open top boss was incredible for, for a young kid like myself just just starting out my career and them memories I'll, I'll never forget some great times uh, some great characters in the team uh, Mackenzie I remember dressing up as a policeman off the, got off the bus got the policeman's hat and jacket and was um <laughs> ushering the, the the fans away from the bus while we while we celebrated. No, some funny memories and some top top guys to do it with. Uh, let's talk about the one of the games in 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 specific then, because obviously there's there's a number of games leading up to that promotion, but the Huddersfield one that really does stick in my mind. I remember that game, you know, very clearly. Uh, obviously, if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So you score both the goals and the 2-0 win. Uh, you also scored the offside goal, which obviously would have given you your hat-trick with the club. And I think that's yeah. about the only thing you didn't get with Scunthorpe, wasn't it? Yeah, like I said, apart from that game where I didn't get to share the pitch with Keogh in his last game, that's only one thing I was... You know, I was hoping to get, you know, that, that, that trick. Um, but it wasn't meant to be. And you know what? I've still not got an actually can leave one. I never did it at Sheffield United either. So um, it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, I'd like to have got an hat trick. But I, I'm grateful I've scored so many goals for Scunthorpe. And I won't change anything, really. Everything was went so well. And I had two great seasons at Scunthorpe, which set me up nicely for the rest of my career. What about the uh, that game in general then at the end? Because I just... that. That was one of the sort of big moments as a Scunthorpe United fan. I think everybody going onto the pitch, you know, we just got promoted to the championship. You know, I remember there's all the pictures of all the players on people's shoulders, things like that. Uh, what what was that like? Yeah, that's one of the images I've got in the house. Um, I'm on top of Joe Murphy's shoulders and then the other one, I'm, I'm running away with my hands as wide as I can apart. And the emotions that day, the relief, you know, to, to do it in front of your own fans, in front of a packed crowd and to be on the score sheet's uh, an amazing feeling and like I say that the the things that happened afterwards the celebrations I remember in the changing room straight on the beers with the lads and just letting out all the emotion you know the tears of joy and the togetherness that we put into that season to to get promoted for Scunthorpe you know everyone wrote us off and we all believed that we could do it and to make so many people in Scunthorpe that happy was was something that obviously sticks out in my mind as well. Of course, you uh, you win the golden boot that season, Billy, and you know you, the, the goals just kept flowing. Was that kind of a target that was set any time in the season to say, you know, actually, you know, we're doing so well, I'm scoring so many goals, I should be going for the golden boot, or was it just something that naturally came with the success of the team? Yeah, selfishly, personally, I wanted to be leading goal scorer at the club, but also in the league. Um, and the season before, uh, it hurt me a little bit because I, I had to share that with Freddie Eastwood. I think it was twenty-three or twenty-four goals. I wanted to be, I wanted to, you know, be outright leading goal scorer, and that's why I wanted to stay to score as many goals as I could for Stunthorpe. And I believe it still stands as record. I think, I think Hooper nearly got there, but yeah, it's still yours. Yeah, so you know, to, to be in the history books as well is. Is special and you know, like I say, Hooper came close, but it, it means a lot to me. And to score goals for Scunthorpe was, you know, was exciting, and every single goal meant just as much as uh, you know as any other. Was, and to, to to score goals and get promoted is, is extra special because it, it means you know you've been part of a successful team, which I am. I'm a team player, but you want to obviously do well personally, which uh, I obviously managed to do in the two years at Scunthorpe. Towards the end of that season, I think we had a couple of defeats, and um, one was at Blackpool, and we never we never play well at Blackpool, so that was probably expected. But did we maybe take our foot off the gas a little bit? Because I remember Cleveland Taylor told us that you had days off from training and things like that if you won games. So did we maybe take our foot off the gas, given we were kind of nearly there and nearly uh, over the line? Maybe, maybe training wise, but I don't think that's the reason we lost the game. Mentally, we definitely didn't. We we still wanted to win as many games as we could. No, like you have off days in football and like you say, some grounds you just seem to not do well and um, it was weird at Blackpool because we'd lost, we went in the changing room and we felt like we couldn't celebrate but we, we did. I remember doing the conga around the pitch and then I remember obviously the scenes at the service station which 
again, the incredible, incredible memories. And yeah, we didn't, we hated losing that day, but you know, we still got promoted. So it didn't really matter in the end, but we hated losing football games as a, as a, as a squad. And I think that's why we, we did well that season and got promoted. You've, uh, you've mentioned the squad that obviously you, you've played in and we've talked about Murphy and Crosby and all that. As, as a whole, that team uh, and obviously what you achieved together, where does that squad rank in terms of the ones that you've played in throughout your career? Yeah, um, well, I've been really fortunate to play some um, really successful teams. I think I've had four promotions now. Um, yeah, two from League One as champions both times, come from Sheffield United um, and two... Runners up from Championship to Premier League for, with Southampton and Sheffield United. So I've I've been lucky to experience four promotions, and the Scunthorpe one means an awful lot to me because I was I was a young kid and just starting up in my career, and the first promotion is always the the hardest. And once I got that with Scunthorpe, it, it drives you on to want more success and more promotions, and it, it definitely is held held up there with with the with the other ones that I've got because. Again, to, to go on and win the league and be champions is it's better than coming second, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to be the best, and I think that's why again, like I keep saying, as a, as a team, as a squad, we did so well because day in day out we we trained to win, and everybody wanted it just as much as each other. If the if the League One title team, you know, happened to have stayed together with the kind of proviso that maybe Kier was still your partnership, completely hypothetically, of course, you know, what do you think that team could have achieved in the championship? Well, did Scunthorpe go down the season after? That's the first thing in the championship. Or did they stay up and then go down? Yeah, straight down. Yeah. Um, but then he got straight back up. Yeah, that's right. And then he stayed up, I think, that season, that time. Yep. Yeah, well, I, I definitely believe that that team had, had wouldn't have got relegated if we'd have stayed together, me and Keogh up front, or even if it was me and Beckford up front, I, I think we'd have, we'd have stayed up. And that sort of is one of the reasons why it hurt a little bit as well, because I went on to Sheffield United, and obviously Scunthorpe did get relegated, but um, I didn't do too much damage that season against Scunthorpe anyway, so at least that didn't get me into any trouble. <laughs> Um, yeah, so no surprise that summer you had a number of clubs in for you. Um, there was rooms at the time Brian Laws was interested at Sheffield Wednesday, uh, giving you allegiance to United. Was there any part of you that would have ever really signed for Wednesday at the time? Yeah, there's a story behind. Uh, it was 14 in for me. Um, Norwich was the first team. Uh, Wolves and Sheffield Wednesday entered and Sheffield United were the fourth team to um, who wanted me back. So... I was in um, on holiday in Dubai and I, I met the uh, Norwich manager at the time and he was telling me all the right things and telling me he wanted me at Norwich but I wasn't in no rush to go there but I did I did do talks in Norwich and everything and then over the next three or four days I went to Wolves which I was really impressed and really keen about going to because again it had been linked up with Andy Keogh and Mick McCarthy's chased me a couple of times now in my career and he's never managed to get me but I held him I held him up there as a great manager and somebody who I would have liked to have worked with but and then obviously I went to talk to Sheffield Wednesday which it was strange really strange I'll be honest um, well for a start Brian Laws yeah that was the good thing about it but their, their, their ground was underwater so we had wellies on walking like through parts of Hillsborough and uh, deep down, I knew in my heart I, I wouldn't go there and I couldn't go there. But I had to give Brian Laws that um, you know respect, and I had to go and speak to him, which they put me a great offer on the table. But I'd already decided I was going to go to Wolves, and uh, I rang Mick McCarthy. I said, I'm, "I'm ready to come, Mick, tomorrow morning to sign." And he was like, "Brilliant news!" 
And then within half an hour, Sheffield United, Brian Robson rang me and he called me and hijacked it and said, look, I want you to come here tomorrow and sign. I don't care what Wolves have offered, we'll match it. And that's exactly what happened. So I had to ring Nick McCarthy up and say, look, Nick, um, I'm really, really sorry. Um, Sheffield United have been on the phone in the last half an hour. I, I don't mean to mess you about, but my heart was set on coming to Wolves, but I, I'm going to have to go and speak to Sheffield United. So he, he was in a bit of a huff, put the phone down, not on me, but after I'd left the call, I then had to call him in the morning and say, look, I'm going to sign for Sheffield United. And that's what I did. And everybody knows why I signed um, signed back because I'm a fan and I want to, want to play for Sheffield United. Yeah, and uh, Andy Keogh had said something very similar, actually, and you've just confirmed it there, actually. You know, because he said that, that that move to Wolves was happening and you were going to take the partnership there. And then he sort of said it in a joking way, but he was like, Sheffield United, it was the only team that really would have stopped that from happening. Was that the case? Was it, was it, would it have literally been a case of just Sheffield United and if it wasn't for them ringing, that you'd, you know, it would have been Wolves no matter what? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I had three good football clubs wanting me and it was tough and again I had to use my dad and we sport through it and Wolves is, is a great club and Mick McCarthy is a great manager and I, I decided I was going to go there and then it, it sometimes happens in football and if it wasn't Sheffield United if it had been I don't know West Brom or someone else at the time I'd have still gone to Wolves because I thought about things and everything was right and to this day I, I, I tell people that yeah I nearly signed for Wolves but it was a matter of half an hour phone call from Brian Robson for me to change my mind. And uh, you alluded to earlier, but this must have been the kind of the point where, you know, Steve Watton pretty much tried everything he could to keep you at the club. So, you know, what, what did he say to you before you left? Look, he, he changed the contract three times, um, but it wasn't about that. Um, obviously, I was getting paid more. I was going to get paid more by Norwich, Wolves, Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United, but that wasn't what it was about for me. I was still a young kid. Um, I wasn't chasing the money. I was chasing to get as high as I can in football. And I, I chose Sheffield United because I'm a Sheffield United fan, so my heart took over. But Mr. Warren did absolutely everything that he could. He couldn't have done it anymore. He, he showed how much he wanted me. And like I say, I, they were going to make me the highest paid player in the history of Scunthorpe, which you know was an amazing thing to do. But I, I'd already said it's not about the money. It's about me going back to Sheffield United because deep down I didn't want to leave in the first place. But... I had no regrets about it. I had two amazing seasons at Scunthorpe, which has given me this great opportunity to have my career that I have. And I'm forever grateful and thankful for that. But like I say, any fan that wants to know, Mr. Walton couldn't have done anything more. He, he, he tried the best with Keo with me. And unfortunately for Scunthorpe, that's just how it was. The players, whoever was doing well, other teams wanted them and it was hard. Just not just for Scunthorpe, for other teams as well, it's hard to keep hold of the players. Okay, so let's let's look at uh, look in your career there. You do go back to Sheffield United. Now it doesn't uh, really work out for you there that time. And you mentioned earlier on uh, with the hypothetical question that you you believed if, if you and Keo or even yourself and Beckford had stayed at Scunthorpe that then they probably wouldn't have gone down that year. Given that it didn't really work out uh, for you in that spell, uh, is there a part of you that wishes either that you stayed at Scunthorpe United or that you had taken the move to Wolves at the time? Hindsight is of course a wonderful thing. No, not at all. Um, people say I didn't have that great time there, but I was still only 20 years old, still learning my game. And yeah, it was a lot of pressure. I went back there on an awful lot of money compared to what I was there before. And I went for a big fee, but you know, I think it's the beliefs of the managers what had older me at the time. Um, 
I was a small name in a very big um, bowl of big names at the time at Sheffield United under Brian Robson. And um, I loved it every single minute of it. The players that I played with all were brilliant with me and I learned so much, even though I wasn't, you know, playing down down the middle as a centre forward, which wasn't down to me. I just wanted to play in the side of Sheffield United and I ran as hard as I could and I tried to score goals, just not as many as I did for Scunthorpe, which I knew was always going to be hard anyway because it was a division higher and I'd scored an awful lot of goals. So, yeah, I had some great times though um, and I don't change anything. I don't regret anything. Given you got your move back to Sheffield United, you were obviously on the move again to a, with, a, with a loan spell to Doncaster. Were you disappointed to be leaving the club again? I was good. I was, I was leaving Sheffield United, but... It seemed to work again. It wasn't too far away from home. Obviously, it was um, some fourth rivals, but they were showing the the interest and they wanted me. And I had, again, some unbelievable memories and times at, at Doncaster, which, again, for me, it's very similar to Scunthorpe. Very, um, very good club and good people. And like I say, I, I've been lucky enough to play for Scunthorpe and Doncaster, which both went really well for me personally. Of course, Billy, you were scored against us for Doncaster at Glanford Park. I remember being there and watching it from the terrace. And we've had a lot of questions about this. And it's kind of a contentious subject, isn't it? Whether players returning to form a club should celebrate or not. I've always thought it's absolutely fine for them to celebrate because it's, if otherwise, you know, they're kind of not showing the respect towards their own fans at the minute. But, you know, can you talk us through that a little bit? And just, yeah. you know, people have asked if you regret it a little bit or something that doesn't matter. No, I don't regret it. Um... And it's something that I've always wanted to clear up and whether this clears it up or not, I'm not sure. But um, it's a long time ago now and I remember, you know, I was still I was still young at the time, um, which, yeah, sometimes you do things what you regret, but I don't regret it. Um, it was a bit of a frustration thing for me. Um, if it had been at the, um, you know, the home end of Scunthorpe, I probably wouldn't have done it because I have got respect for Scunthorpe fans. Um, they cheered me on every week and, I can't thank them enough for that and we made memories together which I still hold them up there in high regard like I say but I think it was more of the people who didn't really watch me when I was at Scunthorpe if you know what I mean like the younger generation um, it wasn't the whole stadium I was getting a little bit of stick a little bit of the fat chant like I've always had throughout my career and I'd not scored in my first four games for Doncaster and I was letting it affect me and that goal is was one of the important goals in my career because it was it was one I think it was the first time I'd gone four games without scoring a goal or something like that stupid so it, it learned me to control my emotions but yeah I took my shirt off but it was at the Donny end and I just wanted them fans who was my fans then the Doncaster fans to show how much that goal meant to me and yeah look, I've, I've celebrated against Sheffield United before which they weren't happy with but I love scoring goals and it means so much to me and that day did, especially because, like I say, I was on a bit of a cold drought. And I think we drew, did we draw the game in the end anyway? I think it was 2 all or something. Two all. Yeah. Two yeah. All, two all. So, you know, it didn't cause that much damage to Scunthorpe at the time. But, yeah, it was only a select few people. And, yeah, it, you know, I apologise to the ones who, who thought I was being disrespectful. I, I didn't mean anything in that, that um, manner at all. Um, I was just so pleased to get off the mark for Doncaster and, the frustration I think everybody could see and hopefully they accept that now and it was nothing against the, the fans and the people of Scunthorpe. Given you had two great seasons with us, were you a little bit surprised that you were getting sticked from certain fans? 
yeah, I think that is what built up in my emotions in the game as well. Because you know, I wasn't expecting to go and get everybody single clapping me when my name came out on the team sheet. But um, and I know there was a lot of people clapping, but it was just it hurt me a little bit that there was fans there what was booing and was chanting, and it wound me up a little bit. I'll be honest, but that was the first time it had ever happened to me in my career, and certainly weren't the last. But it was the first time, and that's something that I've had in my career that the the love-hate relationship with opposing fans, if, if you like. And like I say, it wasn't anything against the Scunthorpe fans. It was more for myself and for, for the Doncaster fans. I just wanted them to, to see how much that goal meant. And I was back on the goal trail and away and up and running for Doncaster, which obviously they was, they was my club at the time and I had to score goals to them. Let's move forward then because... As we mentioned earlier, Nigel Atkins is a very significant person in your career. And the first time you, uh, you re-link up is at Southampton. So let's talk about a little bit about your, your time there, because I think that's another very significant club for you. And of course, you get the promotion to the Premier League, and that's obviously with Nigel Atkins. So you, it's, it's an odd situation because you've gone through a promotion with the same manager at different clubs. So how did the two compare? Well, we came second, which hurt. And it hurt last season when we came second, because you want to win the league, but we still got promoted to the, to the best league in the world. So it, it, it was brilliant emotionally. It was only a short time, but I had some great memories there. Don't regret anything. And again, I thank Nigel for showing the faith and putting the hard work to get me to Southampton. And he did really well there. And there were some incredibly talented players who have gone on to, to get moves to other Premier League teams, which I still speak to. And like I said, I've, had, I've got some great memories from the Southampton days. And to get promoted to the Premier League was uh, an amazing time at, at that time. I remember a, a, a while ago when I was a young Iron fan that they were selling um, signed Billy Sharp shirts at the uh, Scunthorpe Club shop and I told my mum to go buy one because I said to her, it's going to be worth a fortune when Billy gets to the Premier League. So on, on, kind of on the back of that, were you a little bit disappointed that when you got to the Premier League with Southampton that you didn't quite play as much as you expected? And do you think it would have been a little bit different if Atkins wasn't sacked? Yeah, um, that was, again, it was um, very hard to take. Uh, it wasn't Nigel Atkins' um, idea or he didn't want me to leave. He just was totally honest with me. And he said, look, listen, I've been told by the owner, um, Nicola Cortesi at the time, he needs to free money up to bring somebody in. And it's, uh, it certainly won't be Ricky Lambert, because obviously we know how much of a legend he is at Southampton. But um, I was gutted to hear the news. And he said, look, uh, Nottingham Forest have been on the phone. Um, I had to decide quickly because it was either sit on the bench for a Premier League team or go out and keep playing. And I'm a player who wants to play every week. I'm hungry to play, hungry to score, hungry to earn my money. And I made a quick decision and it was tough because I didn't want to leave. Um, I didn't have to leave. But Nigel said, look, I think for your career, it's probably best you do go along. And again, Forest is a great club and one of my old managers took me there and showed faith and had some brilliant times there, but again, with football, the, the bad side of football, had three managers there and wanted to sign, but didn't quite happen because of, like I say, the, the three managers that we had. Well, I think going back to what you said, if Nigel Atkins wasn't getting, because I think that's the start of the start of the end for Nigel, he was starting to get told what to do by the owner. Um, I don't know if he's ever spoke to you before and told you different, I don't know, but Certainly know that he was trying to get too involved, the, the owner, and yeah, he, he sacked Nice as well. And I stayed for the duration of my contract, but never played for Southampton again. Um, knocked on many a manager's door, uh, 
Pochettino or what, however you say his name, didn't speak English at the time, didn't want anything to do with me. But again, was that him or was that the, the owner? Probably the latter. Um, and then Coom, Ronald Koeman came in and to be fair to him, he let me train with, with Southampton but basically told me I wasn't in his plans. Again, was that him or the owner? I'm not sure. So I, I just kept, that was a bit of an uncertain time in my career where I was flitting from a few clubs on loan and wasn't the best time for me at, the, at that point in my career. But I'm here now and had some, I've had four great years with Sheffield United since, so I won't change anything, don't regret anything. I suppose the decision they made at the time to bring in Pochettino was potentially justified given he's obviously gone on and proved himself to be a really good manager. But do you think Nigel was maybe highly treated there? Yeah, definitely. Like I say, some clubs' owners get too involved and that's certainly what happened. And I'm sure if he was honest enough, he'd tell you the same. But um, he had some good times at Southampton. So did I. And I've got a good relationship with their fans, um, which, is, um, which, is, which is nice. That's what I like to do when I go to clubs. I want, I want the fans to... I want the bond with the fans because they're the ones who, who make football, you know, as special as it is. Of course, you know, ultimately you were reunited at Reading and, um, you know, how did that come about? Presumably Atkins kind of dealt with that himself. Uh, yeah, which was the, was the final nail in the, the confirmation of it wasn't him trying to get me out of Southampton because why would he then go to another club and then want me? Um, you know, he believed I could score goals in the Premier League and I did, but he just, for whatever reason... He was honest with me and told me that it was probably better for me to, to move on. So this was obviously a championship club Reading, which I'll be honest, um, did I really want to go? No. Um, but it was either Reading or sitting rotting in no man's land at Southampton, not even involved with the squad. So fair play to Reading. The only reason I could go there was because they were going to pay all my wages, which no other club was willing to do. Which I don't blame them. They were high wages at a Premier League club, but... I thank Reading for showing that faith and didn't really go to plan because I went there unfit, tried to do too many extras and get fit too quickly and ended up getting injured and was out for a frustrating six weeks. Managed to come back, score three or four goals, I think it was, and left with a few good memories. And The, the, the owner went missing there at Reading and never materialised into a permanent move, so that one didn't work out there. So while we're talking about Nigel as a manager, I think we've got to mention Andy Crosby because obviously he's assisted him pretty much everywhere he's gone. Uh, obviously, you played together at Scunthorpe in the promotion season. You were saying earlier on how you and Keo would give him the runaround in training. Uh, but what was he like as a coach in your relationship with Crosby? Yeah, as a, as a player, he was a leader. And as a coach, he was a leader. He's done well when he's gone with Nigel. He, he was very hands-on on the training ground at, at Southampton and fair play to him. He's, he's had a, he had a good career as a player and as a cold scoring centre off, and obviously he's had a, a decent career as um, and got promotions as a as a player and as a assistant manager. So got nothing but good things to say about Crosser. Um, still speak to him every now and again, and yeah, he, he was he was great. Like I say, as when he was a player and as a captain, and he was great as an assistant manager as well. Got, got nothing but good things to say about him. We get to the final game of the season in, in, in 2016 and of course it's a kind of a bit of a clash between two of the big clubs in your career up to that point, Sheffield United be Scunthorpe, you know, what, what kind of memories do you have of that game? Because at the time obviously it's, it's kind of a big tipping point for both clubs, Scunthorpe obviously win 2-0, it's, it's Atkins final that game charges Sheffield United, you know, what was that like as an experience? Yeah, um, obviously Scunthorpe always won from the game earlier in the season but um, that's the game what hurt me quite a lot actually playing in that season under um, Adkins which was his last game and 
for United as manager. We let we let him down badly, obviously against his old team and my old team, and Scunthorpe deserved the victory that day. But in the change room afterwards, there was a lot of things said between you know the Sheffield United players, and we basically just laid down and gave it to Scunthorpe. Yeah, they deserved it. They, they were better than us on the day, but it was summed up our season really the disappointment of having a good side on paper but that doesn't win your promotion just like I had you know under Sheffield United under Brian Robson we had a great team on paper but didn't get promoted because we didn't gel enough as a, as, a, as a team you know in training or on the match day uh, So obviously that's Nigel's end point there and Chris Wilder is there now and he's obviously it's, there's been turnaround in the, in the Premier League now it's, it's a great story Alan Nils also the assistant manager, and obviously he's managed Scunthorpe United. Uh, it didn't work out for him here with us, but what, what's he like as a coach? I think a lot of Scunthorpe fans would be quite interested in that. Yeah, well, we have quite a few connections of um, Scunthorpe um, at Sheffield United with, with Nilly and uh, Duff's, uh, Mark Duffy, and, and John Lundstrom as well. Obviously, I believe he was at um, Scunthorpe. And, um, yeah, we, we, we've talked about things about Scunthorpe before in the past, and Nilly says, yeah, he didn't have the greatest of times there, but maybe it's when he found out he, he wasn't, you know, meant to be the manager. But he's certainly struck up a, a, a great partnership with, obviously, the gaffer now and has been successful in, in uh, quite a few places where he's been with, with Chris Wilder. Can you tell us a little bit about being promoted to the Premier League with, with obviously, your boyhood club, Sheffield United? What was it like to score your first Premier League goal for Sheffield United? It must have been a pretty big moment. Yeah, um, I think with, if you've seen the celebration and my emotions, uh, <laughs> I was incredibly disappointed not to start that game because I, I felt I deserved to. I had brilliant pre-season and I was ready for it. And you just have to then be ready to, to come off the bench. And it was a great scoreline to come on with, with you know, I think seven or eight minutes left. Um, just wanted to get that one chance. And I don't know, luckily for me, it dropped to, to where I like it to be, about five yards out. and. It was a scruffy finish, which I don't, I don't care how they go in as long as they get in. And yeah, the emotion again, it, it fell right because it was at Sheffield United end where you know I got to celebrate with the fans, and it was such a relief because I've been waiting for that moment a hell of a long time, and I knew I could score goals in the Premier League. And gutted it took so long to obviously have to get one, but um, it, it was a brilliant moment and a highlight of my career as well. Obviously, after leaving Southampton as well, when they'd been promoted to the Premier League, did that kind of did you think the chance had gone to play Premier League football after that or did you always kind of think there may be a chance uh, in the future to get back there and, and get that goal? Um, just one thing about the Southampton when I, I was in a rush to go away maybe I should have probably sat there a little bit longer um, but again that was me wanting to play football if I'd have you know, turned that move down from to, to go to Nottingham Forest which I'm glad I didn't because I, I scored goals there and I had a good time there Um but if I sat there and let the transfer window pass, I believe, you know, I'd have sat on the bench and come on in games and I would have grabbed a goal and then I'd have had to start and I'd have probably forced my way into the team. Maybe maybe that's what I should have done, but I don't regret going to Forest, not at all. Um, like I say, it was a great club. I had some good times there and I, I wanted to play football, so that, that's what made me happy, so that's what I did. But again, like you say, I... I believe I could play in the Premier League. I just gutted it took so long to obviously get there. Time we moved into into the general section now. So we've got a, a question from Danny Maris and he says, if there was a cup final between Scunthorpe and Doncaster, what side of the fence would you sit on? <laughs> right in the middle of the fence, to be honest. Um, for two very 
different reasons, which I'm sure both sets of fans will understand. Um, just for the, it's a tough question. Just for the fact that Scunthorpe gave me, you know, the chance, that opportunity to to make a mark in my career. I'm like I say, I'm forever thankful, grateful for for that chance. With the memories and the, the moments I had there as as an individual and as a player with the fans, it, it will always be a special place to me, um, Scunthorpe and. You know, who knows, one day, maybe reconnected, you never know. Um, but then the other half of me would be sat on the other Doncaster half of the fence because I went through an awful time when I was at um, Doncaster and they, they stuck by me by a club and as fans. And again, I had some great times. Used to score for Scunny against Donny and then obviously scoring for Donny against Scunny. But I'd hope it would go away, a draw into extra time and then I'd close my eyes for penalties and Whoever won uh, Another one we've had in is this is quite an interesting one. It says, if you could go back in time and rewrite a part of your career, what would it be and why? Wish VAR had stood in that Huddersfield game, maybe <laughs> on side and got the actuary. I don't. I honestly, I don't. I don't regret anything. I don't wish anything else happened. Which one for? You know, I had some great times there, and I, I, honestly, apart from that game when I'd like to have played with, with Keo in his last game for the club or the actuary, that's about it. But the two small things and. I won't change anything else, really. What about the player you've had the most chemistry with? Is it Keo or is there someone else? Yeah, I think on on and off the pitch, um, yeah, Andy Keo. But I've, I've been lucky enough to play with some great partners. Um, James Beattie, um, James Hayter at Donny and Coppinger was brilliant foils for me. They played either side. Ricky Lambert at Southampton. Um, David McGoldrick last season. Um, very much like Andy Keo, the way he plays, the way he drops deep, gets on the ball. Always looking for his strike partner, and but yeah, I'd say Andy Keogh, um from the day we walked through the door to obviously him getting his move for me. Um, I think we did an awful lot for each other to in our in a football career. We'll probably know Billy, the EFL English top goal scorer of the century with the 220 goals at the time. Did you see that coming when you were early part of your career? No, I didn't. Uh, well, I wanted to score a lot of goals. Yeah, I knew that, but I didn't know about that until my dad found out and. He was um, marking them off after each goal and obviously then I knew it was getting close and it came on New Year's, uh, sorry, yeah, New Year's Day it was at Wigan away, which was a brilliant achievement for myself and to to obviously go past some of the great strikers that I did was was brilliant and get another 26 goals since to put me on 246. Um, I'm only four, four away now, I think, from... Magic 250 sold so I can get there soon. And then moving on from that, you know, after after you hang up your boots, is the desire to go into coaching or managing or have you got kind of other other career goals in mind? Yeah, I'm starting to, oh, I've done some of my badges. I'm, I wanted to complete that to the highest standard I can and um, I've just launched my own academy, the Billy Sharp Football Academy. So I'm putting a lot of work into that and just wanting to give, you know, the, the, the kids of this day and age the opportunity to, you know, in between the... The stage where they go to academies and the academy says they're not ready or that they're not good enough. Well, that's where you see so many players just petering out of football and losing the will and the drive for it. So I want to be the the, the one just off the football academies where they can come, no pressure, um, learn new things. You know, not not just football, just being life in general, just just enjoying themselves. But obviously, with the football, and um, I'm, I'm proud of being able to do that and. Maybe one day, uh, the more I get older and the closer I get to, to ending my career, I've, I've thought about managing definitely. Coaching, 
the kids, yeah, but coaching um, a group of professional football, I couldn't think of anything worse. But managing, when they have to listen to me, then I'd, I'd consider it definitely. Uh, do you have a favourite goal that you scored at Scunthorpe and, and maybe a favourite game to play in as well? Either the Forest 1-0 on my debut, just because of, it couldn't have gone any better, or, or the Bristol City 1-0 on um, the 21st, on my 21st birthday. Just such a, That was a, probably one of the biggest games played in Scunthorpe in front of the packed Blanford Park uh, ground, which I don't think it's happened many times since, to be honest, which is sad to see. Um, it used to be packed every week and it was a great atmosphere when, when it was full and that, then two games definitely stand out in, in my mind and if not one of them games, maybe the Forest away 4-0 or, or the Huddersfield um, to seal it at home. They're the games that stand out and the goals that stand out for me, definitely. I think, I think we've come to the end of the list. I've got one question left for you now, Billy. So, um, you know, could you just sum up your time at Scunthorpe in, in a few words? Enjoyable, well, very enjoyable, very memorable and what well, a word for describes it couldn't have gone any better but it was a, it was a dream it really was for a kid um, so young to be so sex, successful individually but collectively as, with the group that we had um, and to, to gain so much experience and memories in a sh- uh, such a short period of time was was uh, set me up for, for the career that I've had uh, Billy Sharp, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks a lot. Cheers. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this. And we'll see you on the next In Conversation. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.